The following is a message given by Sheldon Campbell, a pastor at Grace Family Church in St. Catherine, Jamaica. To learn more about Grace Family Church, visit gracefam.church. Please turn with me to Mark chapter 1. As you heard from Sean this week, we will be returning to our series, Follow the Sun, A Journey Through the Gospel of Mark. The title of my sermon is John the Baptist, the Forerunner of Jesus Christ. I will be preaching from Mark chapter 1, verse 1 through to 8. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt round his waist, and ate locust and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You know, I like movies. And at the beginning of every Metro Golden Mayo MGM film, there is a lion, Leo, who famously roars. And you know, whether consciously or not, I have realized that this MGM trademark, you know, it, it has often created much anticipation uh, for me, that this would be a great movie. Well, in our passage this morning, the very first verse of chapter 1 in the book of Mark starts, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. May not turn the light. It feels like Usain Bolt meets William Shakespeare in the opening credits. Within one verse, he, it, it mentions that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and the gospel is about him and his work in fulfilling God's promises from creation up until this point. However, this is not the, the lion, Leo, which I just mentioned from MGM. This is not Simba from Lion King and Aslan from Narnia. No, this is about the most famous lion of all time, the Lion of Judah, Jesus Christ, who conquered sin. So this verse creates for me as much anticipation of how this would unfold. 
you know, as I think about this, does the words, the beginning, remind you of in the beginning? That is creation in Genesis 1.1. If so, I believe Mark wanted to, to connect the gospel story with the creation story. And this gospel story continues. And thus we need to learn of this story. Like all stories, it introduces characters. In this case, in verses 2 through to 8, we read about John the Baptist. Hold on, people. What is going on here? Are we supposed to be focusing on Jesus? Why isn't there mention of Jesus' birth, his, his childhood, etc. Why is this about John the Baptist? With, with the setting in Judah and the plot about John baptizing people and then Jesus comes on the scene. Notwithstanding, in our text, we are going to look at John the Baptist using four headings that will help us to understand the relationship between him and Christ. Here are the headings. The messenger, the ministry, the man, and the message. So let's begin with our first point, which is the messenger of John the Baptist. In verses 2 to 3, it begins, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. So scripture was being identified as something significant was happening. You know, here Mark only cited Isaiah since he was the most prominent prophet and most of the material from the two verses were from him. However, Mark actually blended three passages, Exodus 23, 20, Isaiah 40, verse 3, and Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. These three passages actually represented the law. Moses, think about Exodus, that's Moses, the major prophet Isaiah, and the minor prophet Malachi. Thus, they represented the whole Old Testament. And so this was not a light matter. A major fulfillment of prophecy was taking place. It even started with the word, Behold, look, pay attention. I, God the Father, will be sending my messenger, John the Baptist, to you that will prepare your way. He will prepare you for the Messiah, the Lord. Can you imagine? Listen, the Jews had waited over 1,400 years from Moses. They had waited over 700 years from Isaiah and 400 years from Malachi. To see this prophecy fulfilled, this prophecy 
about John the Baptist. Can you sense this? Can you sense this hope and this excitement that the, the readers of the book must have felt as they thought through, listen, as they thought through the hardships, as they thought through the, the trials and all the things that they went through? And now to come to learn of this John the Baptist as the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Listen, the Lord was about to show up. You know, J.D. Jones comments, what is the Old Testament? It is just a record of how God had been preparing the way. Begin in Genesis with the first promise of the seed of the woman who is to bruise the serpent's head. And read until you come to Malachi with his announcement, the Lord shall come to his temple. Malachi 3.1 And you will see how by means of prophets and psalmists and seer, God had been preparing the way. In this respect, John only comes at the end of a long line. And yet, John was in a very real sense, very special sense, our Lord's forerunner. So God gave us many previews of what was about to happen throughout the Old Testament so people could be aware of his coming. Moreover, in this passage, it is clear that the, the messenger serves a kind of preparatory function for the Messiah. The question this morning is, but, but what does it look like to prepare the way for the Lord? Was John to gather an army? Was he to visit the centers of power to let them know that their time <laughs> was running out? What did John's ministry look like? Well, let's look at the ministry of John the Baptist, which is my second main point. The ministry of John the Baptist. In verse 4, it begins with John appearing and baptizing in the wilderness. You know, it's important to note that the three passages which I referred to earlier, Exodus 23, Isaiah 40, and Malachi 3, also makes reference to the wilderness. And hence, fulfillment about John again. Listen, the wilderness was where God had met with Israel, which happened in Israel's first exodus from Egypt, where they traveled to Mount Horeb and gathered as a community, as Joel explained last week in his sermon. However, Israel continued moving and crossed the River Jordan and settled in Canaan, the promised land. So that's what happened in, our, in the first Exodus. Well, in our text this morning, there is a second Exodus taking place where Israel was being delivered from the wilderness through John the Baptist's ministry and metaphorically entering into the river Jordan again to receive God's promise of salvation through the coming Messiah, hold on. I'm not supposed to be excited. You know. oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you recognize and appreciate the time where God intervenes in your life so you can meet him? I want you to think about that. 
Have you ever experienced something like a wilderness that brought you closer to the Lord? Would this be God's kindness to you then? You know, John's ministry ended about 400 years of silence. You know, that is since a prophetic voice was heard. You know, so while he's at the, the brink of helping to, to usher in this, this, this new move of, of God as a forerunner of the Messiah, he was also part of the previous dispensation. Thus, John really played a, a critical role in linking the Old Testament with the New Testament. John was preparing the way of the Lord by addressing people's hearts. His proclamation was a calling of them to repent, which involved turning away from sin and turning to God in preparation of the Lord that their sins may be forgiven. You know, their baptism or immersion into the river Jordan was supposed to be evidence of their true repentance. Yet, their baptism in of itself, and we have to say this, we know because this is Jamaica, yet their baptism in of itself did not forgive their sins, but it identified those sinners who had repented. You know, Ray Sedman remarks, the prophet Isaiah said John's message would be like a great bulldozer building a highway in the, in the desert for God to come to the isolated stranger in the midst of the wilderness. Without a road, you cannot drive into the desert in order to help somebody. You must have a road, a highway in the desert. John was God's bulldozer to build that highway. You know how roads are built. Exactly as Isaiah describes in chapter 40. Every mountain shall be brought low. And every valley shall be lifted up. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the cross-reference here is Isaiah 40, verse 4, and the first part, A. This is what repentance does. It brings down all the high peaks of pride that we stand on and refuse to admit our wrong. It takes the depressed areas of our life where we beat and torch and punish ourselves and lifts them up. It takes the crooked places where we have lied and deceived and straightened them out. And it makes the rough places plain. Then God is there at that instant of repentance. Beautiful imagery is it not you know D E um, Hibbert adds that roads in the east were generally poorly maintained 
A common king would send ahead of him a representative, representative to assure that the roads had been adequately prepared. Spiritually, this was John's advanced task. He was to remove the hindrances in the hearts of the people so that they would be ready to receive the anointed one. While this passage focuses on the, the unsaved, as Christians, I, I have a question this morning. What are, what are some of the things that God has sent family members, friends, your pastors to tell you that need to be removed? Let me say it. That need to be removed or built in your life to have a relationship with the Lord. Think about that. In verse 5, it says that all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. You know, this is remarkable to think of so many people being affected by John's ministry. You know, we would say that, he, that John's ministry was fruitful based on the thousands of people who went out to him. But that wouldn't necessarily be correct, you know. As we cannot definitively speak about the authenticity of other people's actions. I want you to think about that. Nonetheless, I believe there was an awareness of sin in the Jewish context which seemed greater to me than what it is in our time. You know, what are some of the hindrances that you face to confessing your sins? Is it pride to not let others know your need for a Savior? Is it ignorance of sin? Is it fear to bring your sin before God? Is it unbelief in God's power? You know, whatever it is, our daily confession of sin shows our need of a Savior and the, and the need for the gospel, for the everyday stuff of life. You know, since we have spoken about the messenger and the ministry of John the Baptist, let's go on to my third point, which is the man of John the Baptist. And in verse 6, we learn more about John as a person. His clothing was made of camel's hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. And guys, that don't, we don't need that in Jamaica anyway. But, but, you know, what's interesting is, however, this was a similar description of Elijah in 2 Kings 1.8, where it says, He wore a garment of hair with a belt of leather around his waist. Moreover, it seems that other prophets in the past wore a similarly, similarly um, hairy, hairy cloak based on Zechariah 13, verse 4, too. Wow, that's something else. Also, John's food was locust and wild honey. And these were what? People, including preachers who lived in the desert or wilderness, ate at times. 
Now, it's, it's important to note that John's clothing and food, though linking him with the preachers of all, was worn and eaten by the poorest of the land. Just think of who he's identifying with there. Yet, the Jews were looking for this Elijah-like prophet to return before the coming day of the Lord, as Malachi 4, um, verses 5 to 6 shows. And so, these descriptions of John the Baptist were signaling the possibility that he might be the fulfillment of this Elijah-like prophecy. So more and more, Mark was revealing how significant this man, John the Baptist, was. You know, having spoken about the messenger and the ministry and the, the man of John the Baptist, let's go on to our fourth and last point, which is the message of John the Baptist. In, in verse 7, John in his message explains that there is someone who is coming. And after, he, and th th this person is coming is mightier than him. This person who is coming after John is mightier than him. And, this, and that the strap of that person's sandal, John himself was not even worthy to stoop down and to untie. <laughs> wow, that's humbling. You know, did you expect that? You know, John came on the scene with, a, with the reference of, a, of that, no, you know, a reference that no modern preacher, um, celebrity, politician, or influencer could claim. He was the long-awaited one that all the prophecies we read about earlier mentioned. However, he humbly recognized that there was one, one mightier than him, and that was the coming Lord. You know, for John to acknowledge that he was not even worthy to stoop down and untie this person's sandals, demonstrate how he rightly understood and recognized himself compared to the Messiah. <laughs> I, know, I know where many of you are thinking. You know. <laughs> but let me say it this way. It wasn't just about the rich droppings of waste, mostly from animals that people use for fertilizers today, which were smelly and dirtied people's feet that was being highlighted as a menial task, if you guys follow where I'm going. The reality is that slaves were tasked to do such things. But Jewish slaves didn't do it, period. It was seen as too degrading a task for them. It was the lowest of low. John was saying, listen, you see me? Me, I like joking. There's not one who can compare to him. He's what your attention and your efforts must be centered upon. Devote your life, your very being to the coming Lord and Messiah. He's more than worth it. You can't find a better way to live out your life. 
In verse 8, John says, listen, you know, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So he, so he won't just immerse you in water, but he will immerse you in the Holy Spirit. I want you guys to get that. You will be saturated by God's Spirit coming into your life. That's impossible for me, John, to do. But the Lord who is coming can and will do that. Now in verse 9, which Sean is handling next week, we come to know that this Lord and Messiah, who John the Baptist is referring to, is Jesus Christ. And this makes sense as we rewind and connect it to verse 1 that I spoke about at the beginning of the message. Everything we learned about John the Baptist was to introduce Christ as the gospel from him and through him and to him people are being saved. In fact, Mark is moving us to see that Jesus Christ is the main character of our story. As I think about John's posture, all I can say is that pride is something else, you know. Because I'd probably find a way to tell everybody that, listen, we're first cousins, that is Jesus and I, and that Remember, the, those passages, come on, come on, people. Remember, remember the Exodus. Come on, don't, don't, don't get this twisted. The Exodus 23 was about me. The Isaiah 40 was about me. The Malachi 3 was about, come on, don't get. Uh, funny enough, this is what society tells us. It tells us to build your personal brand. Ouch. Remember, you have to continually promote yourself. Isn't it that our society tells us? Oh, I pray that I, along with you this morning, could be like John the Baptist and the Apostle Paul who spent their ministry, their time, their effort, their resources to exalt Christ. Lord, please teach us to... to, to, to to have true humility as believers. You know, altogether, I believe my message today challenged us to, to what they say, to know or to remember. To remember that, listen, and this would be, if you want to call it the big picture, some people would call it the proposition, John the Baptist paved the way and points our attention to the one, I want to say it again, you know, to the one greater than himself, Jesus Christ. I have to say it again. When something nice, I have to look at it twice. John the Baptist paved the way and points our attention to the one greater than himself, Jesus Christ. 
And I'm hoping today that if we were to do like a movie review, we would have come to recognize that we are a part of God's continued gospel story. Similar to John the Baptist who wanted to serve God and his people, we are enabled by God's Spirit to exalt Christ and serve in our respective contexts and communities. We do not need to go to some remote place like the desert or wilderness or to have an office in the church. We can simply rely on God's leading. I want you, I want you to hear that, you know. We can simply rely on God's leading to encourage others to repent and place their trust in Christ and to become a part of a gospel-believing community like Grace Family Church. Moreover, in their desire to, to be baptized, they can speak to one of the elders here. Yet this sermon also encourages us, believers, to regularly confess sins so that we can receive help from God and from others in our Christian walk. You know, my message also touched on those who, whether or not they work in ministry, we know people love the limelight, you know. I love seeking recognition for our achievements and what we do. But I just would ask that we examine. Examine that in light of Christ's words and his work. You know, a likely consequence, I hope, is that the more and more as you do that, that your desire to exalt Christ will increase and your desire to promote self will decrease. And finally, I pray that we all will reach out to God to give us greater passion to see people saved and prepare for the return of Christ, the Lion of Judah. Amen. 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 You have just listened to a message by Sheldon Campbell, a pastor at Grace Family Church in St. Catherine, Jamaica. To learn more about Grace Family Church, visit gracefam.church.